the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. Hope everyone's doing well on this Thursday morning. Uh, I'm going to be breaking down tomorrow evening's Bellator 243 event on today's podcast, as well as recap Dana White's Contender Series 27. There's also some news, fight announcements, and a bunch of other stuff to get to. So I'll get right into that. But uh, of course, I want to plug Tuesday's podcast where myself and Cole Shelton broke down the entire UFC uh, on ESPN Plus 32, Lewis versus Old Nick card. So definitely check that out if you guys want to uh, hear my picks for that uh, card on Saturday. Now, I should say that I'm doing the podcast today on Thursday. I've been usually doing them Friday, but uh, with Beltor tomorrow, I'd rather do it today. Get the uh, preview out of the way early. Uh, so if there's some weight mishaps tomorrow at the UFC card, unfortunately, I won't be able to talk about that on the podcast, but uh, definitely check my Twitter out at Martin to keep all the latest updates in anything MMA related. Okay, so let's start with Contender Series 27. That took place on Tuesday night. Uh, first event of this season of Contender Series. Pretty solid uh, card, I guess, for a four-fight event. It is what it is. I mean, this isn't a UFC card, you know, and then people, I think, kind of get that confused sometimes. It's not UFC. It's Contender Series. So the quality of the fights, the quality of the fighters, it's not the same level of the UFC, but it's still pretty close. There's some good fighters, man, and there's a couple prospects, obviously, the UFC signed. So four fights, one fight fell off. You got to feel bad for Kenny Cross, man. I don't know, like, uh, what they're going to do with this guy. Lorisanko said that they're going to try finding another fight later in the season, but that kind of seems unfair to me. Uh, it's not his fault. The other guy was uh, not medically cleared. I- I'd rather see Kenny Cross just get a UFC fight. You know, they're signing a lot of people these days that, quite frankly, aren't necessarily UFC quality. So I don't think this guy is really, uh, you know, if they sign him, I don't think it's a bad mistake by any means. So I'd rather see him get a fight in the UFC. I don't know if they paid him. I hope, hopefully they did pay him. I think that contender series guys get like 5,000. So I just wanted to mention that because I, I do feel bad for that dude to lose his fight the last second. All right, so let's get into the fights. Let's start with the first one on card, and that was Jordan Levitt defeating Luke Flores via first-round submission arm triangle choke. Flores has two losses in his career, both by arm triangle, both in the contender series, the other one to Matt Fragola. Man, Levitt looked good, and he got signed to a deal. I think that's definitely uh, the right call here. This guy... Has got a good ground game, man. 7-0 now, 25 years old, syndicate MMA guy. Very talented fighter on the ground, no doubt about it. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't totally sold on this guy coming in. Like, you look at his record, his luck, uh, level of position is pretty low. But he looked good in this fight, and that's his third win in 2020 alone. So a solid win for this guy, and hopefully they can uh, get him a quick fight here, a quick turnaround, maybe in September or October. They obviously need fighters to fight both in Vegas and on Fight Island, and I think that Levitt's the perfect guy. So, you know, he's probably one of these guys that is going to have to take a fight on short notice um, in the next coming uh, couple months, and I think he'll do pretty decently in the UFC. I mean, we'd, I'd like to see more of his striking, obviously. We didn't get to see that here. But as far as his ground gun goes, it's solid, man. And for Flores, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. He kind of almost, like, wanted to go to the ground with this guy. That's that's a mistake. So, you know, Flores... 9-2 now. I don't see him getting another shot in the UFC anytime soon. Well, or even like a chance to get in the UFC. Even on short notice, I don't think this guy's UFC caliber fighter, honestly. Um, next up, we had Jerome Rivera defeats Luis Rodriguez via unanimous decision. Now, this was this was weird. First off, pretty good fight, actually. Two flyweights, and they're both talented guys. No doubt about it. Dana White said after the card that he could see them both in the UFC one day, and I could see that as well. Uh, especially Rodriguez, I think. This guy is definitely a good prospect, man. He's young. He's only, I think he's 21, they said. He's pretty young, and uh, quite frankly, I thought he won this fight. I think this was a really bad decision on the judges' scorecards. Uh, Dana White also thought so. I think most fans and media on Twitter were really shocked when Rivera was announced as the winner. 
if you go by the strike stats, I think he did edge it out. But if you watch the fight, there's no way he won this fight. That's why I don't trust stats all the time. Like, if you watch this fight, how did you not score for Rodriguez? It's very strange to me. Um, somehow, too, the judges had a 327 Rivera. Now, I will say this. Laura Sanko, I think she's great at her job. I think she's awesome. I, I, I like Laura a lot. I think everyone likes Laura. She's really good. She's very polished, and obviously, DOC loves her, and I can see why. But I didn't like the way she announced the scorecard. She announced them backwards. Why would you do that? That just confused all the viewers. Everyone watching this, when she said 27-30, 27-30, 28-29, people were confused as hell. I think a lot of people thought that judges actually scored the fight for the wrong guy or she read the scorecards wrong. Ultimately, she read them backwards. The scorecards were correct. Maybe she was as shocked as much as us that she thought that Rodriguez won too. I'm not sure, but you know, I, I really like Laura. I just hope in the future she doesn't do that again because as a viewer, when the when the, uh, the ring announcer reads the scorecards backward, it's usually for the loser. It was very weird when she read it for the winner. Very strange. As far as the fight itself goes, like I said, fun fight. And I can see these guys both in UFC. I thought Rodriguez got robbed, though. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just I, – I don't understand how two judges had 30-27 Rivera. That is mind-blowing. Scary almost. Very scary. But, yeah, Rodriguez won this fight. Neither guy got signed, but I think in the future they could both be getting in on short notice or something. Next up, we had Euros Medic defeat Mikey Gonzalez via uh, first-round TKO. I mean, this guy is an absolute prospect, man. He is really good. You can tell. Like this guy's story, man. Great post-fight interview too. How do you not like this kid? You know, he, he came from Serbia. He lives in Alaska. He trains in Alaska. He fights there. And when you look at his record, he's fighting guys that are really bad from Alaska FC. And Alaska FC generally has not produced much talent. The one guy they obviously produced is Jared Cannonier. But other than that, there's not a lot that has come out of there. So this guy looks like he could buck the trend, man. He looked incredible in this fight. And I know but Mikey Gonzalez is not like a household name. He's more of like a gatekeeper type, but still the way that Ross Medic beat him down, especially to the body, like that kick that hurt Gonzalez that ultimately led to the finish was absolutely devastating. And the punches that Medic was throwing on the ground right to the liver, nasty, nasty ground and pound. Like I was super impressed. Dana White loved the kid. He obviously gave him a deal. I think this guy will get a fight very soon. I would say in the next month or so, they'll probably throw him in the, uh, the cage again somewhere in Vegas or one of these cards. I uh, don't know who he'd fight. Obviously, someone probably of the same caliber. I mean, I doubt they'll do Levitt versus Amadish. They could because they're both lightweights on this card, but they'll probably set them up on different paths, which is fine. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Amadish compete, man. This guy is a solid, solid prospect. And, again, not only did he perform well in the cage, I thought his post-fight interview was great and the motion he showed. You gotta love to see it, man, really. Like, it's a great story. And this kid looks phenomenal. It's hard to take away too much from the contender series fights because a lot of the opposition on these cards is guys like Mikey Gonzalez, who's a regional level gatekeeper. But the way that Manage went through him was super impressive. So I can't wait to see this guy fight again. And finally, the main event of the evening, Dustin Jacoby defeats Ty Flores via unanimous decision. This was a pretty fun fight. D Dustin Jacoby, I mean, his striking, his technical striking is really fun to watch. He's a very exciting guy, as we all know. Um, Ty Flores, though, my God, what a chin. What a chin in this dude. Super tough, super durable. Don't know how he survived the full three rounds. Second round definitely should have been stopped, in my opinion, by Herb Dean. I mean, Jacoby was just teeing off on this dude. But Flores did go the full 50 minutes, and two of the judges somehow scored the third round for him. I don't agree with that at all. I had the scorecards 30-25 for Jacoby, so I had 10-8, 10-8, The judges had it, I guess, 10-8. 10-9 and then 9-10 for four or 10-9 um, for four. So 9-10 Jacoby. 
kind of a weird scorecard. I don't agree with Flores getting a scorecard, but the guy's tough as nails. I think he'll get another shot on Contender Series. Dana White loves guys like this. They're just really durable, so he'll get another fight on Contender Series. But as far as Jacoby goes, Dana White admitted that he was kind of on the fence as to signing him. But as soon as the fight was over, I was like, they got to sign this guy because most other opponents would have been finished early in that fight. It's just not his fault that Flores is super durable. Jacoby was trying to finish the entire 50 minutes, man. I was impressed by his performance. I think this guy is definitely um, a talented guy as far as the striking goes. A fight like Dustin Jacoby versus Johnny Walker, who wouldn't want to watch that fight? That's a fun fight to watch. Do I expect him to fight for the belt? Never. I don't think he'll fight for the belt. But I think there's exciting, fun fights for him to, to compete in. You know, Nikita Krylov, guys like that. There's a lot of fun fights for Dustin Jacoby in the UFC, and I'm excited to see him fight in the UFC. Okay, so that's it for Contender Series. Overall, I mean, pretty solid card. Only four fights, obviously, but hopefully next week we'll be back with a full five. Hopefully nothing falls off. Let's go to Bellator 243 now. So Bellator 243 takes place tomorrow at Mohegan Sun in Uncasville. And overall, I mean, there's some fun fights for sure. It's not a huge card by any means. Overall, there is uh, 10 fights in the card, so six prelims and four main card fights. You know, just going through the prelims really quick here, uh, I'll just list them. There's no odds for them, so I, I'm not going to break them down. But, you know, looking at them, we got Adam Borge taking on Mike Hamill. Borge obviously is a really talented prospect, and he did lose his last fight to uh, Darian Caldwell, but before that had beaten Pat Curran and Aaron Pico back-to-back -back fights. I think a lot of us think of this guy as a future featherweight title contender in Bellator. So he's solid, man. And the guy he's taking on here, Mike Hamill, I don't know a ton about him. He's 7-3. and three. He um, is an LFA guy. This is his Bellator debut. But, uh, you know, he's lost three of his last five fights. And that definitely is not uh, boding well for his debut here against Adam Boric, who is an absolute unit. So got to go with Boric here. Odds might drop for this fight. Boric is a pretty well-known fighter. Maybe we'll get odds. But, uh Either way, I do like Adam Borch to win that fight. Next up, we got Valerie Lareda against Tara Graf. Valerie Lareda, pretty, um, I guess, talented prospect. I mean, she's 2-0. A lot of people talk more about her looks, I guess, than her fighting ability. I mean, she's obviously a very attractive woman, no doubt about it. But uh, I'd like to see a little bit more from her in the cage. She hasn't fought in over a year now. Definitely a marketable fighter. I mean, we all know that. But we got to see some more from her to, before we start calling her like a future contender or something like that. Takes on Tara Graf here, one and one, 34 years old, a lot older. The Ray is only 22, and this girl's coming off a knockout loss. She hasn't fought in two years. I mean, we all know what Belter is doing here. Should be an easy win for Valerie Lareda. Next up, we got Grant Neal against Hamza Salim. Don't know a lot about these guys either. Grant Neal, 3-0. and uh, He has fought twice in Bellator, won both his fights in Bellator. And as far as Hamza Salim goes, 5-2 and two record, and he's won three straight fights. This is his Bellator debut as well. I mean, I, I can't really break this one down too much. Don't know a lot about the guys. No odds for this one. But I guess maybe Neil with the undefeated record would be favored. Next up, we have Dalton Rosta against Mark Gardner. Right now, Rosta, he's a 2-0 fighter. So, again, not a lot of experience. Both his fights coming in Bellator and Gardner. He is 1-1 one one in his career. And he's coming off a TKO loss in his last fight a year and a half ago. It seems like another fight where Belter is trying to get this guy Rosta a win here. Uh, next up, Nana Dung against Charlie Campbell. Dung is 3-1, and one, 21 years old, young guy. Uh, I remember him from the last Hawaii card. He lost to Zach Zane, a former contender series guy. 
Um, so she's got three fights in Bellator now, usually in the Hawaiian cards, and Charlie Campbell, one and one. And uh, he's coming off a loss in Ring of Combat over like about a year ago, actually. So um, I don't know. I guess Dung would probably be favored if there was odds. And finally, the last prelim, AJ Agazam against Chris Lencioni. This should be a pretty fun fight. Two guys that definitely can uh, grapple. So AJ Agazam, three and one. Uh, he hasn't been like overly impressive in Bellator. Uh, he's had a, a couple of submission wins now, but uh, still some of the fights he's had weren't super impressive. But we all know the guy definitely has good jiu-jitsu. And Chris Lencioni here, six and two record. Um, another guy with a lot of really uh, solid uh, jiu-jitsu skills here. And he does have a little bit more experience here. So I don't know. It's a tough fight to call. I'm kind of leaning towards Lencioni just based on the experience. He's fought better competition, but uh, definitely a close fight. Interesting matchup. A little surprised Bellator did that fight. Uh, as far as the main card goes, we actually do have odds for that, thankfully. So let's get into that right now. First fight on the main card, Miles Jury against Georgie Karakani in a lightweight belt. I guess it's lightweight because it's on short notice, but usually these guys would be a featherweight. Right now we have Miles Jury as a minus 230 favorite and Georgie Karakanian, the insane one, plus 190. Miles Jury, 18-5 record, 31 years old. He's coming off uh, a win in Bellator over Brandon Gertz. Previously had lost to Benson Henderson in his Bellator debut. We all know him from his UFC run. Uh, this guy is a talented fighter, as we all know. He's been around for a while now. Um, had some good wins in his UFC run. Michael Johnson, Diego Sanchez, Rick Glenn. Some decent wins. Nothing amazing by any means, but definitely a talented guy uh, that's always been a really high-level prospect. Um, I think the UFC wanted him to be more of like a title contender, but never really got to that level. Still, I mean, Miles Jerry, definitely a talented guy, well-rounded fighter. Jerry G. Karakanian, very experienced guy, 29-10-1, uh, 35 years old, a little bit older now. He's been around forever. He's had three stints in Bellator. He's been up and down in Bellator. He has some good wins, though, in his career. I mean, no doubt about it. This guy has some solid wins. Lance Palmer, Bubba Jenkins, Daniel Pineda, um, just looking through his earlier record in his career. I mean, he's been around forever. Um, he, you know, he fought in Bellator back in uh, – like 2010, back in their first season. So he's been around forever, man. I got a lot of respects for Georgie. But, I mean, the last few years, he's definitely been having a little bit more trouble picking up uh, wins. So this is a tough one to call, I think. I mean, Jury obviously is favored. He's a lot younger. Not a lot younger. He's four years younger. But he's kind of fresher in fight years. He hasn't taken as much damage. But quite frankly, Miles Jury is a guy that I still feel like is, I, I, I want to see more from him. You know, even at this point in his career, I still feel like we can see more from him. Georgie's a guy that can finish fights. I feel like based on the odds, it could be a dog or pass situation. I'm not going to, I wouldn't bet on this fight personally because I do think Georgie can win. But, you know, overall, Jury is the more well rounded guy. He probably wins a decision here. I just think that Georgie has a better chance than the odds are indicating to maybe get a, a, a upset stoppage or something, maybe a submission or possibly a TKO. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Should be an interesting fight, though. Uh, there's a lot of former UFC guys in this card, which is kind of cool. Next up, we have Curtis Millender against Saba Homasi in a welterweight boat. Right now, Curtis Miller is a big favorite, minus 355. Sabah Humasi, plus 295. you got to like Curtis Miller here, man. This is a really good matchup for him stylistically. Curtis Miller, 18-5, 32 years old. He's coming off a win over Moises Marietta in his Bellator debut. Uh, not Bellator debut, sorry. It's his Bellator return. He's fought in Bellator two times before. It's his actually third stint in the company. We know he had a stint in the UFC that quite frankly, didn't deserve him being cut. Uh, he went 3-2. and two. He beat Tiago Alves, Max Griffin, and Ciara Bajadrezada before losing to Eliza Zaleski de Santos and Bilal Muhammad. That was a weird cut, man. I think a lot of us were really shocked when he was cut. I mean, you lost to two really good fighters and gets cut. That's pretty harsh. Um, this is a guy who's talented, man. He's got a win over Kevin Holland. 
uh, from a couple years ago in LFA. He's a talented guy, man. He should be in the UFC. Uh, I don't agree with them cutting this guy. As far as Sabah Hamasi goes, he's also a former UFC fighter. He's 13 and 8, 31 years old. He's been around a long time too. He fought in uh, Bellator season one as well in 2010. He also fought in Strike Force in 2010. He fought on the Strike Force Miami card, which had a main event of Nick Diaz against Marius Aramskis. So he's been around a long time. That's the same card Robbie Lawler knocked out Melvin Manhoof in that crazy fight. So, you know, this is a guy who's been around a long time, but he's not really a elite guy. I mean, he's we've seen him fight a lot now, and he gets finished quite a bit. In the UFC, he went 0-3 with three stoppage losses, got knocked out by Tim Means and then Abdul Razak Alassane twice. Exciting guy, don't get me wrong. He's coming off two straight wins in Bellator, including a nice knockout win over Mikel, uh, Micah Terrell. But overall, I mean, this is a guy that can be finished, and I don't like the matchup for him. I think Curtis Miller smokes this guy. I like Curtis Miller by knockout. Maybe a decision if he just kind of just wants to appoint him, but I think he's going to make a statement here and get a finish. Give me Curtis Miller by knockout over Sabahu Masi. He's the one guy I really like for a bet. I just wish the odds were better. Minus 355 sucks, but I think people obviously know that he has a really good chance to win this fight. Next up, co-main event, Matt Mitrione against Tim Johnson, two former UFC heavyweights. Matt Mitrione right now is a minus 130 favorite. Tim Johnson plus 110. Two heavyweights that have been knocked out and can get knocked out. So uh, definitely an interesting fight. I mean, it can go either way. It's a heavyweight fight between two guys with uh, a lot of power in their fist, but you know they've shown throughout their careers that they can be uh, connected on themselves. Matt Mitrione, I've always liked Matt Mitrione. He's a fun guy. He's a uh, 42 years old now, though, 13-7 record. We all know him from the Ultimate Fighter uh, heavyweight season. And he went on to have a pretty solid career in the UFC. For a guy that didn't have any experience in MMA, he had a nice career, man. You know, he had some good wins on his resume. Derek Lewis by knockout, Gabriel Gonzalez, uh, Fedor Emelianenko in Bellator, Roy Nelson. So he's got good wins, man. And Matt Mitchell is a great athlete. Even though at 42, he's 42 now, I still feel like he's going to be a fast uh, faster fighter in this fight against Tim Johnson, who's 35, and Tim Johnson, uh, former UFC guy, 13-6 record. He's got some decent wins too. Shabil Abdurahimov, Marcin Tabura, Daniel Milanchuk. And in his last fight, he knocked out Terrell Fortune in a big upset. So Tim Johnson's not a guy to be messed with. This is a close fight. I mean, you can go either way. That's why the odds are this close. But, you know, despite the age difference, I hate picking guys over 40. I got to go with Matt Mitrion, man. I still feel like this guy is going to be a lot faster in this fight, and the athleticism, I think, is going to be the difference. Um, I kind of feel like he's going to be able to connect on Tim Johnson and put him out. So my pick's Matt Mitrion by knockout, but Tim Johnson's definitely a guy with a lot of power, and would it shock me if he pulled off the upset? Not really. That's why the odds are so close. Finally, main event of the evening. This should be a fun fight here. It's a rematch between Michael Chandler and Benson Henderson. Kind of wish it was five rounds. Bellator needs to change that, I think. They should go to five round main events. But uh, these guys obviously didn't meet a couple years ago, 2016, in a lightweight title bout. Michael Chandler won a split decision in one of the better fights of 2016. Since then, Michael Chandler's 4-2. and two. Overall, Michael Chandler, he's 34 years old. He's 20-5 in his career. He's a three-time Bellator lightweight champion. And we all know about Michael Chandler. He's probably Bellator's... If it's it's either him or uh, Patricio Pitbull, that's the best homegrown fighter ever. I think the fact Patricio knocked him out last year probably gets him a step up, but it's one A and one B as far as Bellator homegrown talent. And you gotta love Michael Chandler, man. He's been around for a long time now, ten years now. Uh, it's been nine years since he submitted Eddie Alvarez in that upset. So he's been around a long time. He's got some good wins in his career, like I said, Eddie Alvarez. He's beat Patricio Pitbull twice. Benson Henderson, uh, Brent Primus, He eventually has lost there after the injury. 
Um, his last fight against Sydney Outlaw, man, it was a really impressive knockout. So this is a guy that's still at the top of his game. I know he did get knocked out by Patricio Pitbull last year, but you know, Pitbull is an absolute beast and he's a guy that could do really well in the UFC. So, you know, I think Chandler too, he's actually a free agent after this fight guys. So, you know, he's talked openly about testing the water. He could be in the UFC. I think he really needs to get a win here, obviously. Um, a stoppage win would be great, but even a decision, if it's kind of like an impressive decision, I think that would get the UFC's interest for sure. Uh, Benson Henderson is not an easy guy to beat, though. 28 and 8 in his career, 36 years old now, a little bit older now, but a guy that's had a lot of success lately in Bellator. He's on a four fight win streak over Miles Jury, Adam Piccolodi, Sad Awad, and Roger Huerta. He did lose to Patricky Fitball in his uh, Bellator debut or his, his second Bellator fight. Um, he does a win over Patricio Pitbull by injury, and then obviously the loss to Chandler. So overall in Bellator, he is actually five and uh, two. So it's not a bad. Actually, five and three. Excuse me. He lost to Andre Koroshkov as well. But look at that level of competition, man. I mean, that is elite guys that he's lost to. So ever since he got signed to, Uf to uh, Bellator from the UFC, he's just been in there with killers. And we all know how good Benson is. I mean, you look at his career, some of the wins he has, Masvidal. Havilov, uh, Josh Thompson at the time was great. Uh, Gilbert Melendez at the time he beat him was elite. Nate Diaz, Frankie Edgar twice, Clay Guida, Jim Miller, Don Cerrone twice. Benson Henderson's a, like almost a legend, man. He's like he's close to that legend status. He's he's solid, man. He really is. So right now we have the odds at Michael Chandler minus two thirty five, Benson Henderson plus one ninety five. It's it's definitely a closer fighting than the odds are indicating. I am leaning towards Chandler again. I think he probably wins a decision here. Um, but man, Benson's a solid fighter, you know, and, and Chandler's kind of been a little bit inconsistent the last few years. So I wouldn't be surprised if Benson Henderson actually won this fight, but uh, overall I do lean towards Michael Chandler. I think you'll just be able to outpoint Benson. The striking's going to be a little bit crisper, throw a little bit more power and, uh, maybe get some takedowns here and, and grind decision out, but it's a close fight for sure, guys. An exciting fight. It should be a good one. And, uh, I think for sure if Chandler wins this fight, the UFC is going to talk to him about potentially coming over. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun because there's some good fights for him. So overall, I mean, it's not like the best card ever by any means, but for a card booked on a few weeks notice, it's not bad. Got a comment here about Ken from Kenshiro, about Valerie. Dude, we all love Valerie. I mean, she's great. I, you know, I will say this. I saw her interview yesterday with the media and she basically said she doesn't post her pictures and stuff for men or for her fans she posted for herself that doesn't even make sense i'm sorry it doesn't make sense i'd love for her just to own it and be like yeah i'm a sexy girl so i post pictures of myself to get attention i mean why can't she just say that i wish she would have said that i would have respected the answer a little bit more than saying that the pictures are for herself really you're posting pictures of you uh in bathing suits for yourself i don't understand that at all it's for her uh her male fans i mean why she should have said that Everyone knows that's what it's for. And I don't I don't have a problem with that, quite frankly. I know Macy Shayson and her kind of got into it a few months ago. Dude, I mean, I don't I don't see why a really attractive girl can't market herself like this. I, I don't see why, especially when you know she's shown some promise in the cage. I think people are just worried that she's gonna turn to like Paige Van Zant, where that's the focus of her career and not the fighting part. But she can do what she wants, man. I just wish she'd own it. Like, why not just say, hey, yeah, you know, I'm posting pictures because I want my fans to look at my my Instagram and follow me. I mean, I don't see what's wrong with saying that. All right, let's get to some news here. First thing I got to mention here, Yair Rodriguez is injured. He fractured an ankle or something. He's out of his fight with Zabit Magomed Sharapov. So UFC is actively looking for an opponent. That's the August 29th card. So right now they don't have an opponent for Zabit. And uh, it's hard to say who's going to step in. Calvin Cater's offered to step in. I would like to see the fight, but it doesn't make sense if there's a beat. He just beat Calvin Cater in his last fight. He's on a 14-fight win streak. 
He should be next in line for the belt. Why would you take a step backwards and fight the same guy you just beat? It doesn't make sense. That fight for Calvin is a great matchup. He's just fought twice since then over Jeremy Stevens and Dan Ige. He got a ton of uh, in-cage experience from those fights. In a rematch, I would actually lean towards Calvin Cater in a five-round fight. I would. Having said that, if there's a beat, why would you take that fight? There's no way Ali's going to sign up for that fight. Uh, I saw a couple other guys like Charles Rosa, guys that aren't ranked, are asking for that fight. I don't think they get the fight either. I think at this point, you might just save Zabit for the title shot. Just give him the fight against Volkanovski. That's what he wants. I have no problem with that. He's fourteen. He's on a 14-fight win streak. He's 6-0 in the UFC. I have no problem with him getting the title shot. I don't think he should have to beat Calvin Cater again. That doesn't make sense to me. Again, it'd be a fun fight. Five rounds, definitely different than the three-round fight than what we saw the first time. But I think if there's a beat, you're holding out for a different opponent or you're holding out for a title shot. You know, if they can get Zombie in, that'd be the ideal fight. That's the perfect number one contender fight. Or if they can get Brian Ortega, that'd be okay too. Or Max Holloway. Max Holloway would be a really good fight as well. But Calvin Cater, as much as I'd like to see it and as much I, as I do think in the future, he should get a rematch. Not right now. He just beat him. It doesn't make sense. We had a few positive marijuana tests, which is so ridiculous. I mean, up here in Canada, like you can walk to the store and buy weed. This is crazy, man. And, and it's legal here. And for these guys to test positive and possibly have, you know, their wins overturned and, and fine and suspended nine months is nuts. So Tim Elliott, Luis Pena, and Jamal Hill, all three of them tested positive for marijuana. And uh, right now, all three guys are looking at potential nine-month suspensions, which is just brutal. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're going to get suspended. Uh, we saw Cynthia Calvillo, I think, like two years ago, get suspended for marijuana as well. It's stupid. And obviously, you know, people are kind of putting on the fighters now saying, you know, why did you smoke so close to your fight and stuff? And I agree that, you know, they should have been a little smarter with as far as the timeline goes. But at the same time, it's weed. If they show up in the cage high, yeah, it's a little different. But if these guys are smoking, you know, a few days before their fight and just for like a little like relief. I, I personally don't have a problem with it. It is in the rules. I get they're probably going to be punished for it, but it's still stupid in my opinion. Um, Tim Elliott lost his fight and Luis Pe he actually lost to Brandon Royville and uh, Luis Pena lost his fight to Kama Worthy. Jamal Hill, he did beat uh, Clinton Abreu. So he'd have his win overturned, I believe, to no contest if he is suspended. So we'll see what happens there. But the other guys, they lost their fights. The other guy that got suspended was Mark andre Barrio. And again, these are provisional suspensions. These guys will get their time in court and they will get to argue their cases. Mark andre Barrio tested positive for Osterine, which is a substance that a lot of guys have tested positive for. Yoel Romero, Tim Means, usually from tainted substances, um, top, tainted sub, supplements, excuse me. I feel bad for Barrio here because I, I do believe that he probably wasn't intentionally taking something, but it's not easy to prove. You really need to keep that label in that bottle and um, show that the commission that, you know, you weren't uh, using this on purpose. It's going to be tough for him, I think, to prove it, but we'll see what happens. I mean, we saw Tim Means and Romero kind of get their suspensions were like uh, shortened a little bit, but ultimately they did lose time in their careers, and I'm pretty sure Barrio will as well. He's coming off a win over Oscar Pachota. It was a win. Could be overturned to a no contest. I hope not, but it could be. I'll get to some comments here from Val, uh, from uh, Ken Shiro. I almost called her Valerie. He's talking about uh, Master Valerie. I, I like Valerie. I just wish she'd own the fact that she's posting pictures so she can get game followers and gain male fans. What's wrong with her saying that? You know, it's it's she should have said that in my opinion. Siri says Ken Shiro Rio Doju. Yair and Ortega will both run of excuses to avoid Zabit eventually. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens. I think for as far as Yair goes, it's just bad luck. Um, he obviously hurt himself. This fight was supposed to happen. As far as Ortega goes, where is this guy? He hasn't fought in two years. Why is he ranked like number two in the world? Take him out of the rankings. He doesn't fight anymore. If he wants to fight before the end of the year, keep him in. At this point, Brian Ortega is not even really in the UFC. He hasn't fought in two years, guys. And Shiro, pro fighters should be allowed to smoke all the weed and CBD oils they need. Helps with pain and neural pain from CT and head trauma due to fighting. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I have no problem with fighters smoking weed or anyone smoking weed personally. Again, I live in Canada. It's legal here. We have no problem with it. Um, as far as uh, the news goes, we'll get, we'll get to UFC 252. They announced the card yesterday. They said it's the finalized card, but I think they're still missing a few fights. Right now, we have um, 12 fights. So, okay, I guess it's pretty close. Yeah, this is probably it. So right now, the um, card for UFC 252, again, it could have another fight added. I, I think that could happen. But right now, it's... Obviously, the main event, Stevie Miller against DC in the trilogy. I just rewatched the first two fights yesterday. Man, so good. So good. Seriously, that first fight, that knockout from the clinch, incredible from DC. The second fight, that adjustment that Stevie made in the fourth round where he started going to the body, those left hooks to the body, devastating knockout. Such a good knockout. Such a great fight. This is my favorite trilogy of all time. I can't wait for this third fight. Um, co main event. Sean O'Malley against Marlon Vera. Some people are surprised that this is the co-main event. Why are you surprised? This is the perfect co-main event. I know JDS is a former champ. I know Rosenstruck's a top 10 guy at heavyweight. That's going to be an exciting fight. Someone gets knocked out there for sure. Sean O'Malley's one of the future stars of the UFC. He's a current star as well. You definitely have to go with the co-main event with Sean O'Malley. Um, this guy and Marlon Vera are going to put on a really good fight for the fans. That's probably my early lean for fight of the night. I can't wait for that fight. I have no problem with that being co-main event. Don't really understand the criticism there. Like I said, JDS, Rosenstruck, John Dodson against Marab Devalishvili, great fight as well. And then Megaman Ankleb against Jan Kutalaba in the rematch after that controversial first fight with a horrible stoppage from the ref. Six months later, they finally meet again. That's a solid main card. I really like this main card. Obviously, everyone's buying this card for the main uh, event, but the rest of the card is solid. As far as the prelims go, you got Jim Miller against Vince Michelle, and that fight was announced in short notes. Jim Miller, man, I mean, what a stud. And Vince Michelle, both guys actually have a win over Roosevelt Roberts, so I think that's a perfect match matchup right there. Um, next up, you got Ashley Yoder against Livia Renata Souza. Heavyweight belt, Chris Dawkins, Kyle Dawkins' brother against Parker Porter. And Parker Porter is a guy that uh, he has two fights against John Jones and Gabriel Gonzaga from back in the day and got finished, but that's that's crazy. This guy finally made it to the UFC. Uh, also on that card, we have Felice Harry against Verna Janaroba, Herbert Burns against Daniel Pineda, TJ Brown against Daniel Chavez, and Isaac Villanueva against Jorge Gonzalez. So overall, the prelims, definitely not the strongest prelims, I don't think, but the main card is solid, guys, and I'm looking forward to UFC 252. I will be previewing that card with Cole Sheldon next Tuesday. I can't wait to talk about that card. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, a few other uh, news and notes here. Carlos Sparza. She wants a title shot against Willy Zhang. I don't know about that. I mean, she might get it, though. The, the crazy thing is she might get it. And the reason why is because right now the division has a lot of fighters injured and unable to fight. So Willy Zhang coming off the fight of the year against Yuan Yan Jacek back in March. An incredible fight. And uh, right now we got Willy Zhang as the champ, obviously. Number one contender is Rose Namajunas, but Rose is currently injured. She might not be able to fight for the rest of the year. So... They've basically taken her out of the running for the title shot. Jessica Andrade is moving up to uh, flyweight to take on Jessica I. Tatiana Suarez is also hurt. Tatiana would have made a lot of sense. She's hurt. 
Nia Antarov is pregnant. And then you, you know, look at the rest of the division. Claudia Gadea, Michelle Watterson, Marina Rodriguez. None of those fighters are really in it. The only other fight that they could give Jang is a rematch with Joanna. And by the way, Joanna's ranked number four right now. I don't think I agree with that. I think she should be ranked a little higher. Um, definitely above Suarez. Like, who is Suarez beaten that she should be ranked above Joanna? She beat Carla. That was her big win, right? So I don't agree with that at all. She did beat Ansaroff too, I guess. But Joanna is a former champ. She should be ranked number two or three, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. But you know what? Carla at number seven actually might sneak in here. And it's crazy, right? Because you look at the division, there's other contenders. But again, they're hurt. They're not able to fight. They're pregnant. They can't fight right now. So Carla's actually on a four-fight win streak. And some of these wins, I mean, they're pretty, I would say, controversial in some respects. Uh, the Watterson fight, I don't know how many people thought she won that one. And the Rodriguez fight as well. I thought she lost both those fights, guys. You know, she definitely has really good wrestling. We all know that. She's a grinder. She's been around forever. I respect uh, Carlos Barge a lot. And the betting odds should respect her more. But Willie Zhang is such a bad matchup for her. Willie Zhang will not be taken down. And on the feet, she's going to just tee off on Carla. We saw what happened when Carla fought Ioana. She was durable for about a round and then got finished in the second. I'd say if they fight, she probably gets finished even sooner. So, you know, it's no disrespect to Carla Sparza. I think she's actually a really good fighter, underrated. But Willie Zhang is a bad matchup for her. If she really wants this fight, she might get it, but I don't think it goes well for her. And the other guy uh, that had some talk about him recently, Kamzak Kamaev, he wants to fight at UC 252. I don't think that's happening. They'll probably see him for Fire Island. Dana White talked about him in a recent interview with Aaron Bronsetter and said that uh, they're not committed to giving him a top 15 guy. And actually, it's ironic they talked about this after the fight with Edmund Shabazian where he got smashed by Brunson. So maybe the UFC is like, okay, let's slow a roll on this guy. We all know Kamzat's good. He's awesome. He's going to be a potential future champion in the sport, but there's no point in rushing this guy. Take it slow. Give him, I, I thought Kevin Holland would have been the perfect opponent. Kevin Holland got another opponent. But, you know, if Holland wins this weekend, maybe you could book him against Kamev on Fire Island. That's the kind of guy Kamev should fight. A guy who's outside the top 15, but still a very respected guy, like a guy like Ed Holland, uh, Kevin Holland. Go to some questions here. Marcus Williams. Good morning, Marcus. Your thoughts on Kevin Lee tearing ACL on the other leg? Yeah, I saw the video. So Kevin Lee was rehabbing for the ACL tear in his one leg, and now he's got it in his other leg too. So just terrible news. He's going to be out for a while. You know, Kevin Lee is a guy that has had some incredible wins in the UFC, you know, quite frankly. Like the win over Barboza was an unbelievable. Um, the win over Gillespie was unbelievable. So this guy is talented as hell, man. We've seen him have – other stand performances against guys like Michael Chiesa and Mega Man Mustafaya, Francisco Toronto finished all those guys. He's a very talented fighter, but, you know, basically, you know, ripping both his knees apart like this, this is bad for his career, man. It really is going forward, especially, you know, because he has taken quite a bit of damage in his last couple of fights. Um, the fight with Oliveira, the fight with Dos Anjos, the fight with Iaquinta, the fight with Tony Ferguson. Like, he's a guy that is talented, but he's – you know, he's only 27, but he's taking a lot of damage. He's a guy that's actually, I think, a little bit older in fight years. So, you know, I hope the rehab goes well in this other knee, Marcus. But I think we might have seen possibly the best we've seen of Kevin Lee from the Gregor Gillespie fight. I'm not sure if he can get that level again, but we'll see what happens. I mean, first off, he's got to actually pick a weight class. It's going to have to be either lightweight or welterweight. He's going to have to decide on one of the two. I'm guessing he sticks to lightweight. And again, you know, he's only lost to really elite guys for the most part. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely worried about his uh, future after hearing that news. Kenshiro, where's that girl with a silver medal to strawweight? It's been only two years. We forgot her name. Who are you talking about? 
uh, the only other fighter I can think of is what Sarah McMahon. I don't know who you're talking about. If you can think of her, like, let me know. Um, fight announcements. I got a few here. Ricky Simone against Brian Kelleher. That's fight happening in September. Tiago Moises against Jalen Turner. Frank Camacho, Camacho against Brock Weaver. <laughs> and uh, those ones I mentioned with uh, Dacus Porter and Miller Pichel. So some good fights. They also made the uh, card on the 22nd official. Main event, Pedro Munoz against Frankie Edgar. Co-main event, Uriah Hall against Yoel Romero. So that should be a good card as well. Let me just see if I got some other news. If anyone wants any questions answered, throw them in there right now. I'll answer them before I get out of here. Uh, I saw Jorge Masvidal. I did see this this morning. He talked about potentially fighting um, before the end of the year. So hopefully he says uh, December or November for his next fight. Don't know who Maswell's going to fight, but there's definitely some good options for him at welterweight. Uh, you look at the rankings right now, uh, Jorge Maswell right now, number four in the world. Number two, Colby Covington, that would be a good fight. Number three, Leon Edwards, that's a fun fight. Uh, even number five, Woodley, I think is a pretty good fight. Number six, Thompson, you could do a rematch there. Any of those guys, but if I had to guess, it's going to be either Covington or Edwards for his next fight. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, Maswell, you know, he obviously lost to Usman and it wasn't that close of a fight, but he did take a short notice. And if you can get like maybe like one, two, or three more wins against you know some pretty high level guys, he could jump right back in there for another title shot maybe next year or the year after. But uh, yeah, I mean he had his chance and he didn't you know, look the greatest in that fight. But again, took him a short notice, he made a lot of money though, so I don't think he's like really regretting his decision to take that fight. Um, Stepe Miocic spoke about John Jones. He does think he'll fight him eventually. Um, also, Dana White said that the winner of this fight will be the greatest heavyweight of all time. You know, if Stipe wins 100%, it's hard to argue against that. DC, though, I mean, his resonated heavyweight is not, like, amazing. But if he does beat Stipe twice in Stipe's prime, it's hard to argue that as well. So I saw some people kind of saying that, you know, this is just Dana selling the fight. But my question would be, you know, who else would you put up there? Some people would say Kane Velasquez. I wouldn't. I mean, Kane didn't really have uh, a great run. He had a couple of nice wins but barely fought for a while. Uh, Randy Couture is a guy that's had obviously a couple runs and as a legend, but you know he had a lot of losses too. So it's kind of hard to say. I think the winner DC Stipe, I think definitely, uh, would, I would put as the number one guy at heavyweight. And you know there are uh, there are other fighters that could be in that mix. I still feel like Fedor should be in the mix. He never fought in the UFC though. But uh, yeah, I think that Dana is right about that. Anyways, uh, let's see here. I don't, I don't know who Ken Shiro, who you're talking about, man. I see you in the comments. I'm not really sure who you're talking about. And you asked if I joined Claudia's OnlyFans. I didn't know she had one. Good for her, though. I hope it goes well. I have no problem with these women making OnlyFans sites, man. If they, dude, if I could make it OnlyFans and make money off selling pictures of me, I'd do it. But, uh, yeah, you got, um, what's her name, Cindy Danwa. I know Marcus, she sent me that story last month, and Cindy had the uh, – issue with her gym i think her gym closed down she, she started only fans and people like her so why not you know i have no problem with that obviously um we had some other fighters like beck rawlings do it as well and uh jessica rose clark i think has one as well no problem with it man if you can make some money it's a grind out there man it's a grind in the world so if you can go out there and make some money you know selling pictures and videos of yourself I mean, why not you know um obviously people are going to say you know why don't they just get into adult films but uh you know these these women they still want to fight so you know i, I I have no problem with that, man. If you want to do what they want for for that, for their, for some extra money, some supplement income, and people are going to pay for it, no problem at all. All right. Any other questions, guys? Throw them in there right now. But I think it's pretty much it. Um, just checking, see if I missed anything. I should mention the odds for Holland and Buckley are up. 
Holland minus 360, or excuse me, actually, you open a little bit less. Minus 275 and Buckley plus 235. Right now, Kevin Holland minus 500, Buckley plus 315. And when that fight was announced, Cole messaged me. He's like, I think Holland's going to be minus 500. Looks like you're right, Cole. So, yeah, Holland should win that fight. But uh, those odds are a little bit high, I think. I mean, Buckley just fought last week. He could definitely have a little bit more in the tank for this fight. So it should be a good one. And uh, that's it as far as odds go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just reading Kenshiro's comments. You're hilarious this morning, man. Anyways, that's going to be it for today's show, guys. I appreciate you tuning in on Thursday morning. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it on Thursday or Friday going forward. I might stick to Thursday just because Bellator's are on Friday now, and I, I'd like to give a day you know, for people to listen to the show. Um, so we'll see what happens. I might start doing it Thursday. But either way, um, as far as next week goes, Tuesday for sure for the podcast uh, with my myself and Cole breaking down UFC 252. So definitely Tuesday, 10 a.m. For sure, check that out. I'm going on a trip next uh, next week from like Wednesday to Sunday. So I'll probably do a podcast from where I am. Uh, I don't know what day, though. It's going to be either Thursday or Friday. So we'll see what happens then. But definitely check out Tuesday. That's for sure going on at 10 a.m. You guys can follow me on Twitter at MMAdamMartin. And as far as my articles and stuff go, MMAoddsRaker.com, all my opening odds articles, my breakdown for the main event of this weekend's card, bjpan.com all the latest news in mma and of course mmarings.net where i have the occasional uh column so definitely check that out hope you guys are having a great week and i'll be back on tuesday to recap this weekend's card and preview ufc 252 have an amazing weekend everyone and i'll talk to you guys soon bye